you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is a brand new day. Uh, this is the first official live stream uh, since we acquired Smashwords. So we want to welcome everybody from the Smashwords family into our family. Uh, and if you are a Smashwords author, welcome to you as well. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, that was kind of the big exciting event of the month so far, but not clo- not too far behind it is the very first of a series of industry insights uh, that we're going to be uh, pushing to you guys. Uh, we got our very own Mark Leslie Lefebvre, who is the Director of Business Development at Draft2Digital, who's going to, uh, he's got a blog post, he's going to do this thing, we're, he's, he's going nuts with it. We've got a whole new way of looking at the industry, and we're we're so excited to share it with you. Also joining us almost almost at the wire is yeah. Dan Wood, the uh, the chief operating officer. Did I get it right? <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, I'm always yeah, I didn't prepare that in advance. That's how you know. So anyway, welcome guys. Uh, and I can't wait to dive in on what the industry looks like from from our brand new perspective. Mark. You had a blog post. Now I'm going to go ahead and share this up front because I want people to be able to click over to it if, if they want to follow along. Uh, this is almost the transcript of the show. But if you go to d2d.tips slash insight, that is going to be the new home for our uh, industry insights. Uh, Mark's going to be writing a blog post around this each month. Uh, we think each month, maybe each quarter. We're still figuring that part out, but um, he's going to be writing a regular recurring thing there. And we're, we're going to try to always follow them with one of these live streams so that you get not just that content that you can ingest and uh, digest on your own, but our take on it, what these things mean as we're growing. So first up, Mark, um, this is all kind of coming out of the merger between DDD and Smashwords. How do you see that, just as a start, how do you see that impacting our point of view on the industry? Well, so so the data for today's post is from uh, exclusively Draft2Digital sales uh, amongst all of the Draft2Digital partners, not the new Draft2Digital, where we're going to soon have the you know, the combined Smashwords feeds and uh, Draft2Digital feeds to look at, which is going to be amazing when you think about it. When you think about uh, the magnitude of our ability to help look at trends and help share this so that authors can understand the market better. Because if you understand the market better, we're going to help you sell more. And what, what I love about our company, uh, the, the new, bigger, larger, uh, uh, improved bionic man kind of uh, uh, draft to digital is that our success is dependent upon the success of our authors because that's the way we make money when they make money. So if we can help authors make money, uh, and I know we've been talking about wanting to do this for a long time, but what better time than, you know, officially March 1st, 2022 on our 10th anniversary uh, and Smashwords is 14 years old that we bring the companies together and we're really able to do that. Um, so the data we, we this this article uh, is, is based upon is a, a snapshot of two years of data. And it's kind of like, let's look at, we saw the industry change dramatically, especially for uh, eBooks and indie author books um, in March, 2020. Yeah. So we're looking at roughly two years of data. 
just to get a feel. And we were looking at the top selling titles uh, out of draft to digital for all our retails and library markets. So we amalgamated it all. So we're not saying like this retailer is better than that retailer or anything like that. What we really want to do is just show here are the overall trends we're seeing. And, and that was kind of the genesis uh, of it. Because if we can analyze the trends, we're going to have some thoughts. And, and I love the fact that, you know, we have some of this data now. We have, obviously, the three of us also spend a lot of time yeah. chatting with authors. And, and, and again, in the last two years, not as much. It was all virtual, mostly, with the occasional, uh, you know, novelist think or 20 books or any yeah. of the any of the, the superstars, the, the conferences that we've been at in person. But we're also basing um, these speculations or these sort of trends not just on our sales data, but on keeping an eye to the ground, ear to the ground yeah. with indie authors. Dan, um, before we really dive into the the actual data and insight stuff, um, how do you see the merger with Smashwords um, influencing our perspective, but also just the industry? Like, do you, what's your take on where we're headed from here? It's definitely going to be interesting. The amount of historical data we now will have on the wide market. Um, you know, we could, we could tell both from back when we, you know, way back in the day when we had a resource like data guy, we worked a little bit with him and, you know, majority of the wide sales for years have been drafted on smash words. And so, um, we'll learn a ton just from their historical data, uh, going forward. Um, I told everyone, uh, was that Tuesday when we all kind of met for the first time? Yeah. We ha will have the most institutional knowledge of indie publishing, uh, especially to the wide market in the world. Like, there's just no other company uh, that has the the people that have been around. You know, both Smashwords and Draft Digital have had extremely good. Uh, retention of our employees so most people i mean I, I think it's probably like over a century worth of indie knowledge if you add up all the years all the different people in our group uh have working in the indie industry and so i'm just super excited about that like that's going to help us help authors you know at the end of the day we want to make sure that there is a, a much wider market than just one retailer uh, we want to make sure that people can succeed and offer them the most chances of uh, quickly getting off the ground, going wide. And we're now going to have like all these different tools to do so. We've got our books to read brand that, you know, helps authors connect to readers. We have the draft digital brand as an aggregator that's going to open up more places. We did send books than ever. And then Smashwords as a storefront. Um, and that's going to be huge. Um, everyone loves the coupon codes that Smashwords yeah. storefront has offered and it pays authors better than any other storefront out there. And that's huge. Yeah. And both the work that they've done so far and just freeing up some of their development resources to, um, to put more work, like all the different exciting plans they've had for the Smashwords store. And, you know, I'm sure we'll also come up with some cool ideas and, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about that integration between books to read and Smashwords store. It's yeah. going to be a, a really exciting time over the next few years and getting everyone who, who has been working with Smashwords uh, access to things like the DDD print program 
Um, yeah. It's just going to sky's the lim limit as far as opportunities for authors to reach all the various places that they might if they went through a traditional publishing route yeah. with a lot more control and you know making a lot more money. Yeah. I, Mark, you actually uh, referenced, you said something about this in your post, which we can dive into now, but um, you referred to Smashwords as the world's largest indie author store. When you think about it, right? Every other every other major retailer, you think about the big five, yeah. <laughs> the big five retailers, uh, they have um, self-published titles and uh, traditionally published titles. You think about the Smashwords store. The Smashwords store has uh, Smashwords author titles indie yeah. authors, right? And and indie publishers, because there are publishers that use Smashwords and draft to digital. Mm -hmm. And soon, very soon, you know, draft to digital authors are going to be able to get their titles, push a button and get them into the Smashwords store. Yeah. And so when you think about this, this will be the world's largest repository of indie author titles. You know, so that's a that's a pretty amazing thing when you actually come to think of it. And because and one of the reasons I think the Smashwords store has been so successful over the years is that the Smashwords store has uh, is available in far more markets than Amazon is. Uh, so a lot of authors who were you know successful on Amazon would use Smashwords to sell to customers in all kinds of countries throughout Europe and other parts of the world that they just couldn't get. Uh, maybe they're even, you know, downloading and reading them on a Nook or a Kindle or a Kobo or any device because, you know, usually without the DRM, you can just grab the file and then read it on whatever device you want. So when you think about just that alone, and when you go to smashwords.com and you look at it, uh, there are some really great features where they're actually showing you, here are new releases just released, which is which is great for authors because it's spotlighting those indie author titles. And it's not competing with, well, here's the new Lee Child and here's the new thing that J.K. Rowling did and whatever. It's just indie author titles. The other thing is the bestseller list there is a beautiful composite of both the sales on the Smashwords store and the sales across all of Smashwords partners, yeah. um, which are now uh, also included, will, will be included soon, like the draft to digital and Smashwords sales to all these partners. And so that's going to be a very comprehensive bestseller list of best-selling indie titles. Yeah. Um, well, more power for indie authors. Yeah. I'm very excited about the the indie bestseller list. That is, that's a, that's a, it's sort of, un, it was an unexpected bonus <laughs> to me. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Dan, um, I, would, I, I want to start talking to Mark about the uh, the post, but um, real quick, because you probably have the most insight into this. What's the what sort of data are we not going to be allowed to share uh, when it comes to like our retailers and stuff? Is there is there stuff that we are blocked from uh, sharing? Kind of as you mentioned, like we can't just give a list of here are the top like this retailers has more sales than that retailer stuff right. like that. Um, that's probably like the, the, the main consideration, okay. uh, you know, we, we can break things down, let people know like what countries we're selling in, what languages we're selling in. Um, just the common sense things that retailers don't uh, really want us to um, compare and contrast them that much. Okay. As long as, long as we don't uh, drill down into specific details about a, a specific mm -hmm. sales partner, uh, we should be able to share some pretty useful insight. So, right. Okay, uh, Mark. We're, we're, we're also pretty limited on talking about what the terms are with different partners uh, in forums like this or like yeah. blog posts and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe that'll change in the future. I doubt it, but maybe. Generally, uh, it's a provision most of them have. Uh, yeah. We, we do make sure that our the reporting that we pass on to authors is gives them a, exactly the knowledge they need to make choices about all of that. And so yeah. the the final sales reports we get from the different places and over time, we've added more and more data. Uh, you know, we just recently and not too recently, but within the last year or so, we're able to. Um, with uh, like some of our library partners list the, the actual library system that bought uh, the books in, in the final report. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of stuff in the reports that we mail out to authors every month that can give you like some really great in-depth data about where your book is selling. Excellent. Yeah. So I think what we could potentially do is say, hey, this genre is doing really well in the last quarter through our library, library partners. Whereas a year ago, that same genre was doing this. Yeah. Just like we reported, uh, and I have to look at the stats, um, international growth in general. We're not saying this, This, you know, Apple sells really good in this country. We're not, we're not yeah. getting, drilling into those specifics. But right. overall, our sales data show that in 2018, 62 point. Uh, or 20, 62.6% of all of our sales at draft to digital were in the U.S., whereas in 2021, 55.6%, meaning our international sales grew by 10% in, yeah. in that time frame. That's, that's a significant growth in international sales. And, of course, our authors are seeing that on a case-by-case basis, but we can amalgamate all that data and go, well, look at what we're seeing. Yes, the U.S. is still a critically important market, but international growth is obvious. Think about the partnerships we have with uh, Tolino and Vivlio. Vivlio grew recently in the last year and a half in terms of expanding and doing a lot more promotions with our authors. And then Borobox, right? We signed up Borobox, which uh, most Americans would never have heard of it. But right. Borobox is, is, is overdrive-like uh, in terms of stature when it comes to Australia, New Zealand, and UK, library wholesaler. So... Um, Part of the international growth is just continuing to expand. So I love the fact that we can share these kinds of insights without, you know, giving away any sort of secrets. Like we can be transparent and open and share and help, but yeah. obviously we're not going to, you know, we're not going to violate the terms of a partnership that we have with so many great partners. And I, I would say, and this is my perspective, so maybe you guys can correct me if I'm off base here, but I feel like um, there is some value in knowing specifics about each storefront, but um, I'd say in general, is it's not helpful from an industry perspective, or it's not as helpful. It might be individually helpful for targeting like where you want to focus your attention on putting your books and advertising and that sort of thing, but um, you know, you can accomplish essentially the same sort of thing with just this general knowledge of you know, regions and, and sales, you know, of uh, across various genres and things like that. I mean, that, that gives you quite a bit to work with. I I feel like um, building a sustainable, good business. uh, And and that's going to be in author terms, you know, making sure the quality of the product you're putting out there is good. Um, You know, making sure your branding is right. And like that changes over time. And we, we've seen, uh, indie authors changing their covers every once in a while, all those yep. things, making sure you're controlling your connection to your readers. And so capturing uh, by way of an email list or some other means, the ability to communicate with them, those will build like a great long-term business plan. Unlike yeah. 
the the people you know we've seen people that just focus on how to game the algorithm at one or two um, storefronts and you don't control that and eventually that tactic will fail yeah um, as they change things and so just doing all the normal things that you know we see all of the industry experts uh, at, at, when we're at conferences when we're uh, listening to podcasts along with you know we know our authors listen to a lot of podcasts yeah most of us have the same advice and it, it comes down to just like fundamentals of running a business just like any other business works yeah it, it, in fact um our connection with the industry is kind of the origin of the name of this podcast mm -hmm. uh was, we are not the only self-publishing insiders uh we're connected to all of them so uh, that's, that's, uh, we're passing along the benefits of those things. Uh, Mark, you, you kind of started the blog post, uh, with a, you bolded the statement. So I know you think it's important, but, uh, the digital divide between traditional publishing and indie publishing is going to continue to grow. Uh, can you kind of un unwrap that a little? Yeah. So, I mean, we had, um, the most interesting opportunity in the history of publishing, uh, from March 2020 till today, uh, and, and, and ongoing, um, that uh, a, a global pandemic affected the world and changed things. It changed the way, what? you know, uh, the, the business of shipping dead trees around. Right. Um, and so there was an opportunity for, and we saw this dramatically, especially in the library market growth that we saw that was in the triple digits that March of 2020. We saw an opportunity for publish to, publishers to finally embrace ebooks because ironically you the the fear at the time was that you you might get a virus if you picked up a, a print book ironically the digital books didn't come with a virus but you could open up an app or your your Kobo Kindle or Nook or, or your Apple device or or Android device and you could get an ebook or you can get it through Libby you know overdrive library system very easily but you couldn't get a physical book because the stores were closed and then to you know on top of that we have supply chain issues and paper shortages. And there's even uh, a good friend of mine's got a book with a, with a publisher here in Canada that was supposed to be out in April, but they can't get the actual materials to make the cover for the hardcover. Yeah. It's going to be pushed off till September. Yeah. So what we saw publishers do was delay release dates and go, well, we can't release the book because there's no other way people buy books except walking into physical outlets and stuff like that. They had a real opportunity to leverage digital. Yeah. And they didn't. Um, and and, and I, I remember Joanna Penn talking about this on the Creative Pen when she was at um, what was the what's the UK book, uh, Digital Book World or whatever yeah. the, the uh, forum is. Wait, that's it, I think. <laughs> what is it? Uh, the UK one is um, London Book Fair. Future, future Book. Future, oh, future Book. Future uh, Book. Yeah, with, uh, that's, that's, it. that's January, it. I think. And it was kind of like and it was kind of funny because she was she was kind of, you know, cheekily, you know, <laughs> shaking her head and going, Wow, they just realized that um, yeah. the digital, uh, there, there's a difference with the borders and stuff than in, in, in shipping goods on a boat uh, uh, over across the ocean. And they seem to be recognizing that. And I thought, oh, wow, they're, they're picking up on it. And then we continue to see this reliance on a business model that works beautifully for, for them. They actually make lots of money, most of their money selling print books. And they, they, they do a great job at it. Indie authors, conversely, do a really great job selling ebooks. And so yeah. they're operating two different business models. And I thought they would come together a little bit more. And I do see parallels in how uh, indie authors are, are growing the way that these original publishers, you know, back in the 20, 1920s, ironically, 100 years ago, 
they grew in the same way. They they grew out of passion. They grew out of niche markets. They grew out of of, of focusing on experimental new formats, like the you know the mass market paperback was was new and experimental to bring books to a new set of readers. The ebook is nothing more than just a new format. Yeah. Uh, the growth of audiobook, new format. And so what we're seeing though is the drive, and and I think one of the best books that I've read that came out of traditional publishing uh, about the book market called Book Wars by John B. Thompson uh, is probably one of the best books I've read that actually has some insight. Uh, Jane Friedman had a book uh, for writers about that, and her book was probably the best one that had really good insights about traditional publishing and self-publishing. But this uh, this one by John B. Thompson, which is um, um, Merchants of Culture was his previous book. And there was very little or nothing uh, in that one uh, with indie uh, titles. But fortunately, he was smart enough researching Book Wars. He talked to Mark Coker, founder of Smashwords, you know, yeah. who has long shared lots of great industry insights about indie, uh, indie publishing. And you also have um, uh, Data Guy. He talked to Data Guy. So he did have a couple chapters about the growth of ebooks. But ironically, yeah. I just, you know, today was looking at the Amazon listing for the book because you can see all the formats, right, in one page. And the ebook was two or three dollars higher than the hardcover. Yeah. The ebook is thirty-two dollars, uh, and, and I'm thinking, bam! The, no wonder they're telling us that ebook sales are drying up because they're forcing ebook sales to dry up. Who's going to yeah. spend thirty-two, thirty-three dollars on an ebook when I can have a nice hardcover for two dollars cheaper? And I did, I did buy it in uh, hardcover. I ordered it yeah. through a local independent bookstore so I could support local business during the pandemic. It, it, it's probably worth pointing out for you know this is something we talk about a lot internally. But for anyone that's new, uh, the numbers that are out there about the book industry are wildly incomplete. Like, a no one really knows how big the big the ebook market is. Yeah, because a large portion of the industry just ignores it, and Amazon refuses to share any details about the things that are exclusive to Amazon, be that uh, authors who are in uh, Kindle Unlimited or um, books that are their own imprint. Uh, they, I guess, they probably share some of the information about the print sales from those, but the ebook side, we just don't really know, and so we have to take make educated guesses about how big it is. Um, right. That's something where we're hoping to add to the conversation by having more information. Um, but the ebook market continues to grow. It's just that if you were to like look at the reports that um, get cited frequently by uh, like the New York Times and some of the other traditional outlets, you wouldn't think that. But it's very much the case um, when you see more and more of studies like the Nielsen studies show more people are. Uh, trying ebooks for the first time, like both right. in the US and then uh, other organizations to do that for other countries. Pandemic uh, made a huge difference in the number of people in European countries that were trying an ebook for the first time because there yeah. was some cultural pushback to the whole idea. And then when people try ebooks, um, you know, I, I think they're, they catch on A, because of convenience. Be generally because of price, although traditional publishers are kind of shooting themselves in the foot with price. Yeah. And see, for just the the older readers that don't want to have to put on their bifocals to read a book on, yeah. Yeah. Do, so, every, every book's a large print book if you want it to be. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, regarding the the price, 
real quick because it is a pet peeve of mine. But there is a uh, do you think it's unreasonable to suggest uh, that that might might be intentional on the part of traditional publishing? Do you do you think they're doing it on purpose? Yes. Okay. They're engaging in price windowing, right? So in, in, in uh, having been a traditional bookseller for a long, long time, you, you, they go, go through windowing of formats. So you would yeah. release a hardcover and it goes yeah. a full 12 months before the trade paperback or that, and then even mass market releases. So oftentimes you can have a three-year window and that's big price, medium price, small price. Yeah. Yeah. You want it to be 12 months because you want a book to go through Christmas because Christmas is the best time of year between September and December, best time of year for print book sales uh, and, 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 and a lot of sales in general. But so you have that. And when eBooks came along, I think you know, traditional publishers said, okay, we got the hardcover, the trade paperback, the mass market, and then the eBook. And I bet you if they had their way, they would have not released the eBook until year four because it's like the least amount. And their fear was, well, why would they buy an ebook for you know ten dollars? Which I think Amazon tried to set the standard price at ten dollars, right? With their yeah. you know KDP price cap at nine ninety nine. Um, uh, I think what happened is they looked at it and said, well, who would pay thirty dollars for a hardcover if they can get it for nine ninety nine? Not realizing it's a different consumer, completely like right. their predecessors who right. created mass like paperbacks penguin created the paperback to pro to provide high quality literature to more yeah. readers than ever before so not even following their own history of going wait a second we can bring more people into reading if we just embrace this option so i think i think it is on purpose yeah um, <clears throat> it, it, it it's it's frustrating when you look at uh, bookbub as obviously one of the you know okay author author newsletter have your author newsletter Bookbub is yeah. one of the most powerful levers you can pull as an indie author. If you can get a lottery win of getting a Bookbub deal, it's, right. it's pretty sweet. Right. Um, but we know that it was a lot easier to get Bookbubs until uh, traditional publishers started submitting to Bookbubs. Right. They have the data to show, hey, when we drop our book price from you know $15, which is the average price of a traditionally published book, down to $2.99 to $0.99, cents, we sell a lot. But then yeah. we put it right back up immediately, right up to the ridiculous price, because it's only like a temporary thing. And and I don't think they've put two and two together yet. Yeah. So let's say, say this too long. But, you know, maybe they, like indie authors, recognize, hey, they can buy mm. my books for $5. They could buy six books in my series um, and read them all for yeah. uh, less than the price of maybe one book uh, from a traditional publisher. So I... I do think it's on purpose, um, but they do yeah. have a lot invested. They have a lot invested, and I'm, I'm not making fun of them, but they have a lot invested in uh, shipping uh, dead trees around. That That yeah. is their business, and they're really, really darned good at it. Yeah. Um, and that's where their focus is. Yeah. I mean, if they were really that good at it, then Amazon wouldn't have became so dominant. Like, well, no, but they, they sell they, through Amazon. They sell their yeah, print books through do. Amazon too. So it's not that that's hurting them, you know, in certain well, ways. In the, in the way that we just, like the whole return system is ludicrous. Like it is one of the weirdest parts of right. any industry I've ever seen. Right. And you, their business you, model, their business model, actually, they're the purveyors of all the risk and, and God bless mm -hmm. them for that. But um, that their whole business model is dependent upon having to have caches of money to pay for returns. Trust me, I just had to do a mm -hmm. massive return as an indie author and went, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> that was scary. 
Um, I want to dive in a little bit on, because you, you've brought this up as one of your points um, regarding audio. And as of today, um, there was an announcement from, I'm going to share this in the comments, uh, that Barnes Noble is getting into uh, audiobooks or building their own little distributor subscription service. Um, so where do you see us going uh, in terms of, of audiobooks as an industry? Mark, I was waiting for Dan up. to start with this. One. <laughs> I mean, I, I you think, wrote the article, Mark. <laughs> it's been growing. Uh, audio. I didn't even get into audiobooks because the growth of yeah. audiobooks has been phenomenal. Yeah. The growth of consuming audio content, podcasts, audiobooks, has been phenomenal. We saw our partner. Uh, was it last year? Not even last year. Six months ago, uh, yeah. our partner Find Away, Find Away Voices, mm -hmm. Find Away was uh, purchased by Spotify. A lot of people panicked and thought, "Oh no!" But let's let's look at the reality. Uh, Kobo was purchased by Rakuten, a major Japanese company. Yeah. All that that did was enabled Kobo to do uh, stronger and better growth globally than they had been able to do when they were a scrappy little startup in Toronto. Right. And so Findaway is an amazing company, has it built from the same DNA as us. Yeah. Um, we're great partners of ours. Uh, we, we, you know, punt people over to Findaway because they they do for audiobooks what we do for ebooks e and obviously now for print books. But Spotify is just going to enable find a way to continue to grow in, in better ways. And, and mm -hmm. authors, you know, like with us, they have a choice. You don't have to distribute to if Spotify becomes a place to put your ebooks or your audiobooks, you don't have to. So I honestly think the growth of audiobooks is just going to continue to. Uh, we're only seeing the beginnings of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. agree. It's, um, I, I, I think the whole digital book market, and I, I include ebooks and audio in it. Uh, follows, I, I think, and I, I think Nick Thacker has also made this point. It follows the music industry yeah. by a, 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 some number of years, five to seven years. So trends that were things going on in the music industry are coming to the book world. Um, that Spotify acquisition is a perfect example of that. I mean, it, it's inevitable that you're going to see audiobooks become part of subscription platforms like Spotify in a different way. You know, we've got subscription credit systems with Audible and Kobo, and I think Barnes and Nobles, uh, their, their new offering is kind of that same, you know, every so often credits. Yeah. But then there's places like Scribd and the library systems that are allowing people to check out more than one book. Um, it's only going to grow the audiobook market. Um, right. Will it change how people are paid out? Yes. And and that's where I, there's a little bit of fear for many people. But growing the size of the market uh, outweighs all of the, the things that I, I think people really fear about it. Because um, you're not, if, if you're just looking at as I'm competing against other books, um, I, I think you're missing the broader thing is that we're now competing against every form of media. And yep. Some of them are more flashy. Movies are more flashy. Television, wider audience. Uh, video games are taking up more and more people's time. Things, um, the democratization of video. So things like YouTube and Twitch uh, are taking up more and more time of younger people. Um, being more available is going to make uh, you your brand more profitable. Yeah. Um, you know. So we see that, like the, the coming of subscription, um, you know, in, in the future, we're going to see a mix of 
uh, human narration and AI narration, just everything points towards that. Um, and there are people that fear that, but it's also going to grow the market. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I would encourage everyone with audiobooks to think about the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I see authors are being offered very sh- small amounts to tie up their audio rights for five, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't take that money. Uh, it, like it, just in the in the same way that I think um, it's inevitable that like AI and human translation uh, for foreign works is going to be a bigger and bigger thing. Yeah. Um, just taking like money for your rights, tying them up for a very long time, I think is just not a good bet right now. You know, if you need the money, sure. But if you don't, I think even if you're not making any money off of it now, the things coming in the future are going to make it worthwhile to retain your rights. And that's the most exciting part about being an indie is because the traditional authors have probably signed away all those rights um, in perpetuity. I mean, or close to it. So yeah, pretty close. Um, so Mark, I want to be able to be sure we get to the, this component of, uh, of your report here before it's too late. Um, but you do, you do talk about like the top selling genres and this is all currently from the, the draft digital perspective. Right. Uh, but we are going to grow our, uh, that perspective over time now, but what is, what's currently, uh, selling best out there? Well, predominantly fiction over nonfiction. So it's a, a big cut. Although we have been seeing indications of growth for nonfiction in some of the newer markets, some of the newer partners we've signed on with, yeah. uh, some of the library systems, and even in uh, print. Uh, we're, we're seeing some of our bestsellers in print through draft to digital print, which is relatively limited now. To, I don't know, Dan, how many thousand titles are in there? It's pretty small. Sorry, how many D2D how many print? print titles do we have like through a D to D print right now? Is it what just a couple thousand? Like, maybe like 11, uh, it, it, it's somewhere like four to five thousand. Oh, okay. yeah, so but far. we are seeing <laughs> a little bit more of an increase in nonfiction because in a lot of cases, for yeah. example, you want to read a new book by Joanna Penn or Tammy LeBrecht's newsletter Ninja Two. You want the paperback version of that so you can yeah. mark it up and flag it and stuff like that, right? So, so that's that, that's that's a thing we're a trend we're seeing. But within fiction, which is primarily uh, what a lot of our authors are making lots of money on, romance is of course by far the top genre and has been for years. That hasn't yeah. really changed. We have seen growth though. We've seen more growth in mysteries and thrillers, right? Yeah. A lot of those domestic mysteries and thrillers, along with the series. We've seen continued growth in science fiction and fantasy, but among those top selling, because a lot of the genres do really, really well, yeah. but uh, along those genres, um, the uh, the one that we saw quite a bit of an increase in was uh, biographies and memoirs, ironically, yeah. which was very, very interesting. I know there were a few outlying titles uh, in the last couple of years that had an impact on that, but that's how the industry works. There are always going to be outlying titles, like in bestseller lists, when you know, when the big name author that everyone knows puts out a book, that's going to influence the whole genre. So we, we're we no uh, strangers to that uh, at all, too. So we have seen some of some of those changes, even within, you know, the 18 sort of high level subgenres of romance. You know, I was, I was just looking at that and seeing the growth in LGBTQ uh, romance. We're seeing the uh, a, a growth in paranormal romance with contemporary romance being at the top. Mm-hmm. historical which has what eight or nine subsections of kinds of historical 
also seeing a growth. Uh, is that related to Bridgerton and and uh, um, Outlander and stuff like that? Uh, because then, yeah. and this is what happens in our industry, is something becomes popular, people enjoy it, and yeah. then indie authors who have similar titles enjoy that. Diane Capri, our good friend Diane Capri. As more yeah. people go, wow, this Reacher show is good. Well, Lee Child has only written so many of them. But Diane yeah. Capri has a whole series, The Hunt for Reacher, authorized by Lee Child, that are a great look back into the universe. Let's revisit the town uh, a month after Reacher leaves as the FBI agents come along. And there's a whole new story to be told with yeah. some of the pieces that were kind of left hanging. Um, indie authors have a great opportunity to leverage those kinds of growths. And so we're seeing parallels to, uh, to that in our sales. Um, I'm, I'm really thrilled. And, and you know, I think our... Uh, our friend Johnny B. Truant is another example um, from, remember, the, the Smarter Artist Summits uh, yeah. in Austin. And his mm -hmm. Fat Vampire series is currently in production at, uh, in, in, in Victoria, uh, BC, yeah. in Canada, uh, with Jason Battalion, uh, the, the, the gentleman who played uh, Ned, uh, Ned uh, Peter Parker. Ned Leeds. Yeah. Ned Leeds in the, in the yeah. Spider-Man movies. And, and that's going to be Reginald the Vampire. And that's kind of cool because... When when did he release that? 2011 or something? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. In in our first books, I think. Yeah, of course. You know, we publishing the ebook through Drive to Digital, of course. So we're going to see some growth for for that genre. But there's going to be other. You know, it's because like another. This is a sympathetic vampire who's you know more like me, not a sparkly vampire or an Anne Rice vampire. So I think we're going to see trends like that happening, and it's going to help. A whole bunch of other indie authors because you know when you focus on those niche markets and you're writing the things you're really really passionate about writing the trends come and go things will come up and things will come down and and and, and your sales will go up and your sales will go down but hopefully what we can help you do is understand oh my sales went up because there's an industry trend yeah. so it can help you understand when you're doing your analytics was it the ad was it a combination of the ad at the right time for a trend we we're just trying to help you know, I think we want to help authors just be better equipped and have another arsenal, another tool that they can use for uh, for sales increase. Yeah, the traditional industry just revolves like obsessively around front list and what we're releasing next, what we're releasing next. Yeah. In fact, like over the last decade or so, the majority of sales have been backlist. So much. Uh, of sales are related to just things you can't control or predict. It's w one of the awesome things about the digital book world is that your your book remains out there forever. Like there's not the concept of this book hasn't sold in a while, so it's not on the bookshelf anymore. Right. Um, and, and that's where I, I think uh, why we're seeing some of the big box retailers uh, of books, you know, fading over time. Um, yeah. where, you know, like some of the, the other places have built a relationship with their customers, like the India, like bookstores are providing that curation people want. Um, but there are things you just can't predict. Uh, Mark mentioned like hits like Bridgerton, um, Twilight, uh, prompted a huge revival yeah. of vampire books at a time when traditional publishing was telling yeah. everyone the vampire books were dead. Um, and so people who had vampire books, even if they hadn't touched them in years, saw sales. Um, most recently, um, I saw Monica Leonel, who's, uh, you know, a, a friend of drafted digitals. Um, she co-wrote a book on, um, Kickstarter yeah. and like it, it did well when they released it, 
but now suddenly Brandon Sanderson does this insanely popular Kickstarter, and now it's like a bestseller uh, yeah. in their category at Amazon. Nothing they could have predicted or caused to happen. The same thing we're seeing happen with uh, TikTok and BookTok, yeah. where people are finding and talking about something they're really passionate about. It's not the things the traditional publishing is telling them, hey, this is coming out real soon and we need you to talk about it. It's things that have been out forever and they're becoming instant hits. And for the authors that control their rights, they're going to get the most money out of that. They're going to be available. Um, you know, hopefully they're going to be in print on demand uh, so that the people that do want it in print uh, can get it that way. Yeah. I, I did look up the numbers. I was wrong. We're up to 12,000 books that are complete oh. in our system. Our, our print is beta. So anyone wow. wondering out there, we've been slowly but surely adding more and more people in. Uh, we've gotten in, especially in the last few weeks, we've been adding hundreds every week uh, from the print beta list. Um, which you, can you share that link below? It's uh, draftedigital.com slash print beta. Yes, I have it. Give um, me a moment. <laughs> so for anyone that's interested in getting in early on our print, uh, we are working hard to make it available to everyone, but it is print yeah. is more complicated uh, vetting wise. Uh, just yeah. more things can happen. Uh, you know, right. we have to take into account like right now the global uh, global shipping is kind of bad, and and so uh, print's a little bit more difficult for us than eBooks, but it's growing. Uh, and as Mark said, it's been an interesting mix of it's not the normal genres that work super well in ebooks yeah uh, it, it's a mix of all kinds of things and so we encourage people to take part in it now i, I want to add uh on the tail end of the the talk about you know you never know what's going to make a, a book take off or when uh that's exactly why you shouldn't not there's a true there's this weird trend of people who when they don't get sales on a book for some reason decide to pull it um and they either pull it and go exclusive, which, you know, whatever. But uh, the ones that really bug me are the ones who pull it all together. Like I didn't sell any copies, so I'm just, I'm out. Uh, that makes no sense to me, but this is exactly the reason why you should never do that because you just never know when someone, if your book about uh, say the Gilded Age uh, is out there and now there's this HBO show called the Gilded Age uh, that might prompt people to try out your book. So don't lose heart. Just leave the book there. It's not costing you anything. Uh, you might hit a treasure trove later. Time, um, time after time, when I hear people doing that tactic of taking their book down, yeah. it's because they're trying to game the Amazon system, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, this this book is pulling it. It's pulling down my rank." And if that's how you're building your business, you don't have a business. Right. You are just a byproduct of Amazon being good at throwing things in people's faces. Exactly. Build your, like, just build your actual business. Yeah. Have so, the products out there. We have and a couple of minutes. A marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Right. And you should always think long-term. Uh, you'll, you'll be much better off for it. Um, we have a, a question in from uh, Pete Fu is actually going to be on the show in a couple of weeks, I believe. Uh, but he says, from y'all's perspective at DDD, how would you, how would you estimate the percentage of authors on your platform earning a monthly royalty of over 1,000, 5,000 and 10,000. Is that something that we would be able to at a high level share in future? It, it, yeah. It, it's something we haven't ran the numbers in a long time. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people out there. Um, 
but also consider that we have a uh, a business model with no upfront costs and so we have a ton of people that sign up and have only listed one book ever um so like i, I think you'd find with anything like with kdp and, and all of them like when there's no upfront costs there's a ton of people that haven't sold very much at all um you know it's probably mo the majority of sales are from the the 20 percent like you find in a lot of other businesses um, so breaking it down that way isn't necessarily all that helpful, but we know, you know, we're working with thousands of authors that are making, um, enough just off of their wide sales to, you know, be writers full time. Yeah. yeah. And um, then when you add in that they're making some money off Amazon and probably making at least as much on Amazon, um, yeah, it, it can be. Uh, there's just never been a better time to be an author as far as actually <clears throat> making it a full-time career and not just making, yeah. um, you know, kind of having to live off of someone else, be it, you know, money that you inherited or spouse or whatnot. Yeah. Patrons um, back in the day. Just for those listening, if you're not uh, tuned in live or watching on YouTube, make sure you go to draft digital.com slash print beta. That's all one word. Um, and that will get you to the page where you can sign up to be included in the beta, which I don't know that it's going to be a beta for all that much longer, but, uh, for now, um, it is. And so you want to check that out and make sure you go to ddd.tips slash insight. That is where you're going to find this show, this episode, um, as well as any blog posts and things that, that pop up. Everything that falls under that industry insight tag is going to be right there. Uh, real easy for you to find. So you can go back through all the past uh, live streams that we do as these start to grow. We're going to be adding to this over time, and we're really excited about how it goes. The format may change. The details you get may change. We want to hear from you on this. So make sure you uh, comment on the um, posts, on the YouTube videos everywhere. Uh, let us know what you think, the kinds of things you're looking for, and we'll see what we can accommodate uh, going forward. But all that said, uh, I think it's time we wrap up. Uh, Mark, did you want to add any any further insight uh, before we tune out here? No, I just want to reiterate what Dan said, uh, that this is there's never been a better time. There's been more opportunities, uh, so many great free tools that you can take advantage of for print, for ebook, for Universal book links, all the things, uh, and more to come. So um, I'm so excited we get to share more data with people. Yeah. Dan, well, how about you? You want to throw anything in the last minute? You're the last yeah. minute guy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly, I can't. I, I'm glad we did this topic, just like talking about some of the exciting things that come from uh, the merger with Smashwords, uh, talking about some of the trends and, you know, wanting to share more of that data. We, we know authors love data and yeah. we're trying to figure out the ways in which we can share that more and more. And I'm really excited about like, as we integrate the Smashword store and books to read and the draft to digital uh, distribution, like the data we can share from all of that combined. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think we're going to be able to provide authors more granular data than ever. And, you know, hopefully encourage some of uh, our retail partners to do to share more and yeah. see like what all good comes out of that. Because we know if we give authors the tools to help them connect to readers better, uh, they will take advantage of it. They yeah. will 
come up with strategies we wouldn't even ever have thought of. Right. Um, and so just growing the reader market and making it easier and easier for authors to be able to make writing a full-time living. Yeah, that's the goal. And we want to help you get there. Um, and to that end, uh, that's what this show, uh, self-publishing is our podcast and our live streams. That's what we're all about. So make sure you bookmark d2dlive.com so you know when we're going to have another one of these. You get a nice little countdown on that page to the next thing uh, that we're doing. So go over there right now, bookmark that so you can use it later. And make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, now on TikTok. Uh, if you go to pretty much any of those slash draft to digital, um, you're going to find us. So go over and uh, click click like, click subscribe, click the bell, do all the things that uh, you you know you got to do in this digital age. That's just being a good digital citizen. Uh, but beyond that, guys, thank you for uh, helping me uh, get everybody up to speed on what the industry looks like right now. Can't wait to see what we do going forward with this stuff. It's, it's, it's going to change and evolve over time. We have no idea what it's going to look like, but this is the start. So everyone who's tuned in live, you're part of history. Uh, and everyone who's listening uh, in after the fact, hey, hi. And uh, make sure you go to draftedigital.com to get started on your indie author publishing career. So that's it. We're going we're gonna to roll on out, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.